We're back. Hello. How's it going? Doing good. How about you, Jason? I am well. I am well. I am two days or really just one full workday away from the weekend, which means I am one full workday away from RailsConf. Yeah, I know, man. It's coming up fast. I uh, I don't know. It just felt like it was a ways out, but it, it was not a ways out. It is here next Monday or well, I mean, leaving for it next Monday. Yeah. Tuesdays, Tuesday through Thursday. So I like that it's three days. It'll be a, be a long one. M- most of the ones I go to are like two days, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy RailsConf. A couple of years ago at RailsConf in Phoenix, I stayed uh, through Friday. Uh, the past few conferences, I left like Thursday night and I hung out with my friend Nick Means and he told me that he typically always stays through the day after the conference because a lot of like intimate, smaller hangouts happen on Thursday night. And so now I always book through Friday. Oh, that's a great idea. I like that tip. I'll have to start doing that. I definitely was one of the like, I mean, if it's a close conference, I leave probably the last day, but um, this is, I don't know, eight hours away or something. So, yeah. yeah. I don't believe you're driving that. You're... Uh, it'll be a fun road trip. Uh, your friend Andrew and I are going up uh, doing the road trip, so that'll be fun. Be a t- good time to chat and hang out and just, you know, catch up because I haven't seen him in person for a long time either. So, should be fun. I plan on using my flight to write out all the questions for all the guests we're interviewing next week. Yeah. Um, we will have to, I guess, find a spot to record, but most of that's going to happen later on. What, Thursday? I think. Yeah, so we, we have two scheduled Thursday. We have a tentative one earlier in the week, and then... There's one person I didn't realize was going to be at RailsConf uh, who we've talked to in the past about being on. So I'm going to try and turn it into four episodes while we're there. So we'll see. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, How are you? Do anything exciting? Oh, no, not anything exciting. Just still doing the same old, same old, you know? Just uh, make a screencast every week, record a podcast, build some stuff, you know? (laughs) <laughs> it's not the worst life. Nah, I'm uh, getting a little tired of the rain here. I'm like, you know, wake up and it's kind of gloomy out. And I'm like, I just want it to be nice outside. It makes my, my like, I don't know. I feel more productive when it's nice outside. That's part of the reason why I tried to reschedule on you last week. Mm-hmm. It was just like raining all day Thursday. And I was like, I will be like the most negative person in the whole world on this thing. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I feel that way too. Sometimes. Yeah. <clears throat> you been up to anything new? Uh, not really. Um, last episode, a couple weeks ago, I was like whole hog building a thing out in Hanami. And like, I got pretty far with that, but there were a couple of things that like kept tripping me up just cause like, it's, it's different in a good way. Like it's good to like stretch the brain but then the person I'm building the product with was like, all right, let's set a deadline. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, I am fiercely typing in away in Rails because I need to get it finished. Mm, the age-old 
problem of wanting to use something new, but then, you know, it's not practical is pretty, pretty tough. It's a hard thing. Like you always want to try something new, but then it's not as easy when you want to get something done and, and kind of, I mean, especially maintain it afterwards too, you know? Yeah. I like, it's not, so the framework has everything that I would need to finish. Um, the problem is just that I just don't know it that well. And so I was like, I was really having fun, really excited about it, but it kind of came down to like, okay, I got to get it done. Mm -hmm. Um, and I actually read there's, there's a person, the Laravel community named Jason, I think it's McCreary maybe. Um, and he created this software called Laravel shift and it like automatically like updates your Laravel apps. It's pretty cool. Sweet. Oh, I think I've seen that. That was really cool. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Um, but he has a blog post I was reading the other day about he's working on a new product for like, I think stock trades or something like that. Something like way out of my field. But he was talking about how, like, when you want to build something new, using a new technology is, like, the worst time to do that. Like, if you're trying to, like, get a, a MVP out the door, it's like, you should just stick to what you know. Like, use the learning opportunities outside of that. And I was like, yeah, that kind of resonates with me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it especially is good if you know how you're going to solve the problem in another language. Um and you just choose to do it in a new one because then you're just like looking for, okay, I know I would, I need to do X, Y, and Z. Um, how do I do that? And this other technology makes it easy. But if you're also trying to build something new for the very first time, uh, yeah, then you've got two problems and that's not near as easy to pick up something new. It's kind of the, it's on hard mode. That's how you're playing. <laughs> Yeah, I struggle with it a little bit because, like, the way I learn best is by building stuff. And so it's like a, a weird balance because I need something to build, or I prefer to have something to build in order to learn. But, like, certain projects, I just need to get out the door. So, like, mm-hmm. the hard thing for me is having to balance that because I have, like, I have so many things I want to learn that, like, I'm interested in. But, it, how do I, how do I justify that time? Uh, Cause it's also like time at night and like early mornings that I take away from family. So like, yeah, that's the really like, it's the time people take for granted when they're in, you know, college or something and they have quite a bit of free time and they can go explore all these things. But then once you have a lot more responsibilities, all of a sudden that time is, you know, a lot more scarce. I don't have near enough time to go fiddle with new things like I would like to. And yeah. Yeah. I hate that. I learned programming like after all that, uh, like right when I got married, like, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad I learned programming, but I wish I like, I used to have a lot of time. Now I have, I have a lot of time, but I, I, I fill it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to have that all fill up quickly now. So yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's been fun. Um, I did use this as an opportunity to use rail six. So like 
Uh, I started last week when it was like beta three and then RC one came out. And so like I ran that upgrade uh, and it's been pretty smooth. Yeah. It is weird. Like I really, a lot of the things in Hanami like really resonated with me. Uh, And when I came back to rails, I was like, no, like, uh, it's kind of like when I use Vim for a week and then I stop using Vim and I still want to use the Vim commands like in VS Code. <laughs> yeah. So I just have a bunch of like colons and W's and Q's. Yeah. Or they implement like 90% of Vim and you're like, oh my God, these like the last 10% is the most annoying. It doesn't quite match up or like when you're selecting lines, it's just a little bit off. Yeah. It was sort of like transitions are hard. But uh, Rail 6 is cool. I like, I think I might actually have a use case for, is it, is it active action inbox, whatever the, um, the name of it is. Yeah. Action mailbox. <laughs> I know it's an A and it has box in it. So Yeah. I forget where I was. Some, I asked somebody. Uh, you know, like why is it active versus action and how did they decide? And I can't remember what the answer was, but it was like, you know, just it's, it's confusing, especially when they both start with the same first three letters. You're like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, rail six. The only thing that's like, I'm trying to think of all the things like the thing I tweeted thing yesterday. Uh, I had a, I upgraded it to RC1 and I hadn't run migrations on my desktop. And so I loaded it up and it's like, oh, you have pending migrations. And I'm like, what is this button? And it's like, do you want to run the migrations? And I clicked it and it just did it. I saw that. I, Man. It just automatically refreshed the page. And I was like, this is magic. That is super cool. I was actually reading through the, after you posted that, the source code to try and find where that was implemented that because i was like this is pretty sweet and yeah i didn't i don't think i ended up finding it but i need to go back and check again because uh i thought that was cool i'm trying to do something sort of simpler similar to that um and yeah i like that that's a pretty nifty nifty move right there yeah it like it was that feeling like when you like are learning rails and you're like wow that's magic uh and then you like use rails for several years and you're like, okay. And then all of a sudden you're wild again. I don't know. It's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, man, that is pretty cool. I wish there was more stuff like that that had been added, you know, years ago when, <laughs> when it was like, I, I just remember that stuff happening all the time and it was like, okay, go to your terminal. But you know, if you know the answer and you're telling me the answer, why not just have a way to do it for me? And I think that's a good way to, to write good software. Usually, you know, don't give your, don't give the error and tell the user exactly what to do. Just ask them if you want to do it for them, you know? And if they don't, then you can give them the instructions. But like, if your code already knows the problem and the solution, why not just offer that? It's kind of dumb if you don't or lazy, I guess. Yeah, it it was cool. Yeah. Uh, have you messed with six much? 
Oh yeah, I played. I mean, Jumpstart Pro has been in six. That's uh, right for a long time. So yeah, I mean, I played a ton with Action Text, um, and so yeah, I, I'm like familiar with all that. I have not dove into the multiple databases or the um, Action Mailbox stuff yet too much. Um, so you know, I've I've seen some of the new stuff, but boy. There's just tons of new things being added all the time. Um, if you like read through the change log and like the commits every day from Rails uh, Master or like Rails 6, it is a ton of stuff. Just things constantly coming in. It's pretty cool. Like there's a lot of little improvements, like even little things like that Rails DB system change or whatever uh, to change the database. It's like, well, you know, Rails already knows how to tell it to generate a, a database YAML file for Postgres or MySQL or whatever. So, like, why don't we just have a command to rewrite it if you want to change because you forgot, uh, you know, and did the wrong one? Like, that was smart. And, like, you don't, you're not going to see that mentioned too many places, but, boy, is that handy stuff. So I've been trying to keep an eye on things a bit more. That's really cool. I didn't know. I saw that feature and I was like, what is that? I didn't even read into it. But so many times I've started a project and been like, ah, oh, it's SQLite. Like, <laughs> yeah. And you're, like, and you're like, do I create a whole new Rails app just to get this one file or do I Google it? You right. know, what's the shortest path? And yeah, I made a screencast on that for Go Rails a couple weeks ago and have uh, been trying to just cover stuff in in rails six or, or whatever, as, as the release is getting closer. So I hope to do some more of that stuff. I'm going to dive into action mailbox pretty soon and, and maybe we'll build like a simple, um, you know, write in comment system or something. Um, or like, uh, I don't know, you could do a pretty easy, like, uh, support ticketing system with that or something. So, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, the the app I'm writing right now sends a lot of emails out like to people. And it'd be really nice, like actually if they could just respond to those emails. Something like I'd be like, SOL before, like, can't do that. Yeah. Um, well, there's always been Griddler by what Thoughtbot. I can't remember who if that was them or not, but um yeah, that gem worked pretty well. It was, yeah, by ThoughtBot. It was pretty good. Um, it's nice to have it built into Rails, though, unless it's a little bit more like active storage where, you know, it's kind of... <sighs> the tough part about active storage is it works really, really well. It just works in more of a narrow use case than what most people are used to. So it's not quite as flexible as... Uh, you know, shrine or whatever else you might be used to using. Yeah, it's active storage is tough because it's like I re- we use it and we're kind of migrating away from carrier wave. And like I really, I really certain things about active storage I really like, and the things that I don't like I really don't like. <laughs> so like, like, like what? No Do what? Do you have any examples? Uh, not off the top of my head. Because um, I've definitely thought active storage, like having a separate database table was awesome. 
Um, you can add file uploads without any migrations every time, which is fantastic. Uh, the, you know, security of it, I think is nice. Um, in the sense that like in your S3 bucket, people's files are, you know, stored as different names and everything. So you're not leaking any data. I think that's good. People don't like that because they were used to having actual folder structures that match the database, you know, record ID and attachment name and all that stuff. And you can't just go in there and look at things, but that's like a a privacy concern. So that's important. Um, But maybe not for every app. I don't know. Depends. But then um, you also have the, I've seen it as a really nice thing and a really awful thing at the same time of like generating previews and variants, uh, really convenient. You can do them all from the URLs just like you could with refile. Um, but the problem is then you have to basically run a CDN no matter what, uh, cause there's no caching and all these requests are going to hit your rails app now every time you want to access a file, which is kind of annoying. Um, and there's no way to, you know, include a link to the direct file, which sucks. But the biggest problem I found was just like, you know, how do you transcode videos? I don't know. There's really nothing for that. It doesn't really support it. And I, I just had ultimate flexibility using Carrier Wave or Shrine. And I wanted to get that out of action or active storage. So that's, that's two examples. Uh, the first one is that variants are really, they're there, but they're not very flexible. And if they are flexible, you have to like actually go down to image magic or mini magic, whatever it is. And like learn, I guess like the different ways to do variants, which was a little bit easier, like in carrier wave. Cause everything was like kind of extracted into methods, which is I think coming in active storage for rail six. Mm. It seems, Cause I found, I stumbled upon some guides when I was looking for doing variants. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. But they were edge guides. So, uh, okay. I didn't have that functionality. Huh? Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, I figure this is stuff that will change over time, but it's very much an extraction from Basecamp, As you can tell, like it fit their use case perfectly, but not everybody else's. Um, and that is, I think just the, the core of a lot of these things, like, uh, action cable is very like how they would use it there. So if you planned on you, I mean, it's that's generic enough that you can do anything you want with it. Um, but a lot of them just being abstractions or extractions rather, um, you know, might have some accidental bias towards something, uh, or a use case or whatever that, uh, everybody else has to, you know, clamor on and kind of contribute the extra stuff to it. Uh, to make it more flexible for everybody else and and their strange, weird ways of using things. I I can imagine, you know, working on the framework itself has to be really tough because you need to effectively take a strong stance on something on how it should be done, but also make make it super flexible, which is extremely hard to do. So if you, like, only try and make it flexible you're probably going to write something that just isn't good for anything or like kind of a pain to use. So I respect it, but it's, it's a, it's a lot of work or requires a lot of input from tons of people. Yeah. I, 
I regret because it sounds like I'm complaining. I guess I am a little bit, but like, uh, I am excited for the versions, like whatever comes with version six, because the, like I would like more things like that in my, like just in my framework. So that's why, like when I was saying about, uh, a box, active inbox, action inbox, action mailbox, whatever it's called. Mailbox. Uh, if that thing's just there for me to like reach for, I'm more likely to like integrate it in an app mm-hmm. uh, versus like going to grab and find a gym. Like that's going to be a corner I probably cut first, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and it's one of the things that like more and more apps need that functionality these days. You know, when do you have, uh, you know, GitHub comment threads or support threads or just any application when you get a notification of a comment on something like it's kind of annoying if you can't just hit reply and have that automatically go in the app. It's just so fluid. So I I really am excited for that feature. Um, And I plan to have that, you know, built into maybe the comments example that we did. Maybe we'll build something from scratch. I'm not sure on GoRails, but uh, it's definitely something that will be very convenient. And then I think it'll be good because it's just kind of a regex match against the email address or whatever email stuff that comes in. So as long as you had maybe the comment ID uh, in that email address or whatever that you can pull out and look it up um, or, or, you know, something like that, then it should be very easy to go build something uh, to go process that. I know that I, it's not an easy problem to solve, but I, I always was kind of, I'd laugh when you see like GitHub comment threads where it like included in someone's comment where they replied by email, all this like quoted stuff. And I hate that, yeah. but it's not an easy problem, you know, to, to solve. So um, I'm hoping that they have some pretty good handling of that, but I saw Did you see that recently they like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think recently they decided to drop Amazon SES support for Action Mailbox for really point now. Yeah, because they were having troubles with it or something. So no, I did not know that. Yeah, How about that. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, I don't remember the reasoning for it or anything, but I did remember seeing that somewhere. I have to read and look it up, but. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was just like bugs with it or what, that it, it was just not going to make the cut in time or something. Um, yeah, kind of interesting. So <laughs> we are 22 minutes in and we have not talked about anything on our list. Uh, I think we've talked about the Rails 6. Well, I mean, so we can briefly touch on Rails 6 RC1 came out this week, like a month late, which is awesome now. So, you know, like, that's good um, that it came out finally. I'm hoping that it's pretty stable, but it seems like they've had some outstanding bugs for quite a while on it. So, Um, we'll see. Where's their milestones at? 6.0. 100% complete. Maybe that's what they were waiting for. Uh, That could be, huh. Yeah, maybe that's what they were like holding out for. Kind of. I wonder how long uh, the release candidate process will go. Um, 
I'm not really sure. I think they want to give it a week or two or something. I don't really know how that works or how they do it with rails at least, but you know, I mean, he's the, the comment on the release was like, well, if there's no major bugs found, then like this could be our final release. So I'm assuming they just give it a couple weeks and let people do the upgrade. And then, you know, if there's not anything major, cut it. So I so wish it was like, we'll give it a few days and we'll do it at RailsConf and we'll just all party at RailsConf. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you, you guys have 20 minutes to find all the bugs. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're hitting, we're hitting release. Yeah. <laughs> so last week we uh, tweeted out that we had talked about Ruby 3 yeah. and then uh, the upcoming RailsConf. So let's, uh, let's shift gears into Ruby 3 because... Ruby Kaigi, I don't know, I probably butchered that, was last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In and Japan, right? In Japan and was sold out, I think. there's a There were like over a thousand people there, I think, if I read that right. Awesome. I may just have fabricated that number. But a lot of really active Ruby things came out of that. Yeah, yeah, I was excited. I remember like... Uh, it's been a long time since Stripe announced Sorbet um, and then didn't release anything about it. Just like a website that was like, hey, we've added types to Ruby. You can play with it. And I was like... I'm pretty sure it was last year's Ruby Kagi where they announced it. Was it? It's been a long time. Yeah, maybe even before that. I don't remember. It's been... I, I remember it's a long time and I was like, ooh, like this is something I always thought would be cool of like... I guess it's kind of like, I imagine it like crystal where it kind of infers the types, um, you know, like I think it would be really cool if you had a way to enforce types on your, like, especially for rails. So like if you're building a library that other people are using, if you can say, look, you have to give me an innumerable object to call this, then like you can improve the debugging time and everything by like orders of magnitude probably for people because just giving a, Hey, uh, we couldn't call first name on nil class. Sorry. You know, it's like, uh, people have a hard time interpreting that. And if you can give them more friendly errors, which types can certainly help with, then I think there's a lot of value to that. So, and it sounds like, that stuff is being added to Ruby three, which I think Matt's had talked about not being interested in any of that, but it looks like maybe that's changed, which is awesome. Yeah, it's fascinating. I read, so in Ruby weekly, which came out today, cause it's Thursday, there were slides linked to Ruby three progress report. And so I read through it to like, cause I, I just, I saw so much stuff on types. Like I couldn't keep up with it uh, <laughs> on Twitter. Awesome. So like, I'm going to probably butcher this, but I want to, I guess, kind of go over it. Uh, so it's, uh, it starts off by like talking about stack analysis and like that there was like four steps to it. So let's say like I have a class and uh, we'll say like class user and I have a function that's like name, right? Like your typical example. So to like annotate my types, I would make a type signature class. So it'd be like user.rbi. 
and I would say like class user again. And then I would say like, where in my class I had defined name, like def name. I would redefine that in the signature class, except that uh, instead of like defining the function body, I would say what it takes and what it returns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting that like that approach like separates out the type signature from the actual like code. Yeah. Which makes sense. Cause it's optional stuff, right? Like it's not required. Um, so having it maybe built into your, your stuff is probably, I don't know if it makes sense to be in there. It would probably get kind of messy too. If you were annotating things in there or they have to be annotated in comments or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's a really elegant approach uh, to like adding type checking to a language that's existed for so many years. That's yeah been overtly dynamic. Yeah. Cause, so like, cause you have to run like TypeScript through like a preprocessor or whatever. I think I haven't used it though, so I don't know. Um, you know, and you don't really want to have to do that for Ruby, the language itself. Like that's a, the TypeScript stuff is probably more like CoffeeScript where you preprocess it and it spits out things. And then how do you do that to the language itself? Um, that's a different story because it would have to like spit out Ruby code to check types or something, which would be really strange. So this seems right. like a, a nice way of handling it given given it's been a language around for so many years with no types and no real interest in types at all. And kind of, I love this hybrid approach. It seems interesting. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And so there's like, I don't fully understand all this because I'm kind of an idiot, but uh, like in these slides, the like library code has type signatures uh, and it like goes through a type profiler, which gives error warnings. And then it will try to take your application code, even if it doesn't have type signatures and try and run it through that profiler. Uh, but then it'll also like, then you can also use like Sorbet. Uh, and I don't know how all that works together. Uh, but it's really cool because there's two other things listed here, steep and RDL, which I assume are other things like sorbet. Yeah. I remember something like that. So I don't know. It's really fascinating. Like I, I really want to like, I do have to use it to be able to like give a fully formed opinion on it, but I'm really excited about it. Uh, I re- I really like that like what it seems is they found a way to keep Ruby dynamic, but introduce like you said like if you had a gym, you could introduce types and like make people's lives a heck of a lot easier. Yeah, I I mean I was talking to one of my friends about like imagine in a world where you could effectively write your framework like Rails. And assume you're going to give or, or like accept certain types and then, um, you know, give some flexibility to the developer who's using rails, um, or whatever library and they could do, you know, whatever crazy stuff they want to do. But at some point, imagine a, a merging between going from like Ruby to crystal where you could write your code. That's all interpreted 
but then eventually once it's kind of settled down like compile it to an actual actual executable and stuff like there's probably a point in the future where that's possible or maybe that's something that like truffle ruby or something does uh effectively you know like like when he was explaining it it sounds more or less like that's what it actually is doing to allow you to even call things like python code from ruby um it's still mind-boggling yeah so you know that was kind of our uh, one of my friend and, and i we were just brainstorming and chatting about like what's the ideal situation like i don't think the ideal thing is to always have to care about types um but never caring about types doesn't make sense either. There's a middle ground, um, and that's probably, you know, the the most interesting place. And we were just like, man, it'd be cool if you could write code that just got magically faster once you had settled on your types for for your interfaces and stuff. But you shouldn't be restricted to them when you're experimenting and like building your app for the first time. So. Um, it really seems like the stuff is heading in that direction, which is super duper cool. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. Um, a couple other things to note from the slides. So like, I think it was last week, maybe it was week before last, pattern matching made it into master. Yeah, uh, that seems pretty cool too. I mean, that's one of the big things that people like Elixir for and languages like that. Yeah, so one of the things like I'm most like pattern matching in my my very very small understanding of like Elixir is that like you can define methods and like pattern match against the arguments. Yep. And I think this pattern matching in Ruby is only like inside case statements right now. Okay, but still, that's um, I mean, that's nice. Uh, so the coolest example I've seen is in these slides: pattern matching against a hash, and like it makes sense why be uh, beginless and endless ranges were added because like there's a hash and it's got an age. And so you say like case hash in, and then you say age and you give it 20 dot dot means anything greater than 20. Hmm. Like it like all came together for me. That's it was like cool. that shining moment. So I'm really, I went from being like, eh, to like really excited about matching. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, I had played with Haskell a little bit in college. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that like, you know, in college, you're pretty much only being taught like, oh, C++ and Visual Basic and like C Sharp. And, you know, kind of it's pretty standard to do the Microsoft stack of things. But, um, you know, they were all none of them were functional languages. So then we had a class that was like, Hey, you're going to learn Haskell and it's going to be different and force you to think about the exact same things differently. And that was one of the things I was like, man, this is really powerful. Like if I want to implement this method different ways for different situations of, you know, these arguments, I have to do a case statement or I have to do if statements and do that checking. But if I can do that, at the function level, then I can implement my different, you know, uh, logic in each one of those. And then like the cool thing with that was like, you could make it mathematically provable that your, that your code is correct. Like there's no way it could be wrong. Um, and I was like, Whoa, this is cool. (laughs) So 
Yeah, I, I think that stuff is potentially really valuable just because you can you can split off different ways dif- depending on the uh, the arguments passed in and stuff. So pattern matching is pretty cool, I feel like. So I'm excited to see that be added. I think I read that eventually it might evolve into like methods, um, which would be great. Kind of like you were saying, like that's one of the things that really piqued my interest uh, in a look series. It was like write less conditionals. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. So Yeah. I mean, you're still writing the conditionals. They're just don't really appear as code. And you can think about, right. you can think about the situations a lot better that way. And uh, it, it seems nice. So that's exciting. There's some really cool stuff being added to Ruby three and hopefully it doesn't come out in 2050. Yeah. That's the other thing I was going to mention. Uh, supposed, I think in this, in the slides that said two seven Oh Christmas this year, Ruby three, hopefully 2020. Dang. That'd be awesome. That's fast. I, yeah, it would rule. I did. Did there were there any updates for guilds and that sort of thing? There, not a ton. Like in the slides, there were talks, but I, I haven't seen them. Okay. Let me, let me pull that up. Uh, there was talk about like the just in time compiler. Yeah, I saw there was um, going to be a two point seven JIT on Rails talk at RailsConf. Uh, I'm excited to go to the. To learn more about Zite work, that's a pretty sweet deal too. Have you had any issues with Zite work? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Zite work is causing problems, um, but it's better. Uh, aside from it when is it's better. broken, but <laughs> yeah. So like, I can't tell if it's Zite work or Spring. Um, it's most likely Zite work. I need to go and file an issue with him on this too, and it's like above my head. Uh, on how it works. Um, but I know that administrate does not work currently. And he commented on my, like, so I made a really quick hack of a PR to fix it. Uh, which was the situation is administrate loads up all of your models or it thinks it does. And then it goes and generates admin, uh, routes and dashboards and stuff for you. Um, and the problem is that in Zitework, uh, because that stuff is truly lazy loaded now, um, none of your stuff is, none of your models have been referenced when that code runs in, in administrate. And so mm-hmm. this is actually probably more of an administrate issue now that I'm explaining this. Um, but, but basically it doesn't, it only finds the device user model because device references that in your routes and stuff. So like, Devise loads up the user model, but then Zitework is do- working exactly as expected, where it's being very lazy about loading things. So it doesn't load any of your models. Um, and therefore, Administrate only generates your user dashboard if you have that, uh, or Devise or something referencing that model. And uh, it's broken the free version of Jumpstart because, yeah, none, none of your models are there. So, um, but yeah, I, I think. After explaining it that way, I'm pretty sure that uh, it is working as expected until you reference those models, but it has no, administrate just has no way of like, here, give me all your models. The, the thing that it asked for 
Well, I mean, it could be a bug. Like whatever it's asking for that list of models probably should be returning that list. Um, and it just didn't get it. So I, I don't really know where exactly it lies, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, I've run into a few things and we actually ran into a bug or two that, uh, he went and fixed stuff for us, um, a while back. I think it was related to jumpstart as well or something. I don't remember, but yeah, uh, somebody in the go rails community and I were talking with, uh, Xavier about, uh, the bug and site work. So yeah, I think it's, it's changed so much that there's definitely, definitely some lingering issues. I'm so excited for it though. Like it's so great to me that somebody like sat down and was like, we're going to solve this. Yeah. And it's like thread safe and everything too, which is nuts. So I, I figured I would just use the rest of, we just use the rest of our time and we already kind of started. I'm just gonna go through the rails comp schedule and pick out a few that like really pique my interest. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm excited. Uh, and the, the struggle is like some of them like and there's clash. there's so many too because it's three days and what there are six or five tracks and then two tracks for workshops yep. so that's a that's a lot of concurrent talks going on sprinkles of functional programming sounds interesting yeah um ooh, postgres and rail six multi db and that sounds good so the the workshop, I'm not a. I struggle with workshops. But if I was going to go to a workshop, Noel's doing one on Webpacker and Stimulus, nice. which I write so much stimulus that I my head might explode. You're like, you're like, move aside. Let me teach this. <laughs> I was I was writing out a help doc at work the other day for some other devs. And I said I would be like hard pressed to believe there is another stimulus application bigger than this. <laughs> That's great. What about um, Basecamp? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, um, unraveling the cable, how action cable works. That sounds interesting. Yeah, any any of those are fun. Like the internals of stuff, scalable observability for Rails applications. Could be good. I've been thinking about um, metrics and stuff for Hatchbox apps. So something like that would be kind of cool. Although I have to, uh, you know, probably run that stuff on the customer servers instead of aggregating Mm, it, which makes, which makes Hatchbox, you know, a lot more complicated than Heroku where they can control everything. Um, I'm excited about this 2.7 Ruby 2.7 JIT. Uh, updates. It sounds interesting. I know that we had that fun chat with Noah about the 2.6 JIT and uh, they've been what? They're, they're effectively trying to get Rails to actually be improving speed wise now. Now that they got 2.6's JIT. Um, so that's exciting. So this time slot's tough because I want to see Betsy's talk teach by learning, lead by teaching the Ruby 2.7 JIT on rails event sourcing made simple. And then also the past, present and future of rails at GitHub. Yeah. Oh, Eileen's talk. Yeah. So there's four talks and then the workshop, like both workshops from code smells to code sense. Like that sounds good. Build your own framework to understand rails magic. Noah wrote like an entire book on that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've been wanting to do some screencasts on that same kind of topic. That's uh that's a full maybe you can maybe you can stop in for ten minutes in each one. <laughs> that's those are like those are I've like decision paralysis that day. Yeah. Uh the sponsored talk next is by the people at Skylight. So it's like a that. yeah, that's exciting. It's like a superstar cast of people inside Rails, the lifecycle request. Yeah. Uh, Jay Ruby on Rails from zero to scale. I don't, all these talks are so good. Even the ones like we're not mentioning, like, oh, I know. I'm at least like, oh, I'm interested. I know. I feel bad because all of these are so good. And there's some of them that, like, I just need to read the uh, description too because maybe the title isn't as good. Uh, it doesn't right. catch my eye, you know? Um, but man, some of these are really awesome. Like, uh, oh, there's a progressive web apps one. I've been wanting to take a look at um, not necessarily PWA stuff, but um, looking into AMP, like Google AMP stuff. Um, oh, the accelerated mobile page. Yeah, which I don't. I think I'm like most of Acker News and, and don't really agree that it's a good thing for them to be doing this, but I do think it's important if they're going to be pushing this in Google search and in Gmail now, um, which the coolest right. part is like Gmail is going to allow like interactive stuff, like actually playing videos in it now because of AMP, which is like super cool. Um, so yeah, there's like some neat stuff going on with that and i want to learn uh how to do that and just i'm curious to see how it affects you know search results and things like that so that 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 sounds interesting too this one sounds really awesome i think i've talked to somebody about this in go rails before um but from 0.10 to 5.2 the story of a 13 year old rails app i've wanted to go clone the oldest version of rails and fiddle with it and then um you know, just see how much it's changed over the years. And that sounds awesome. And yeah, maybe I should do that. Just clone the oldest version of rails and do a screencast on it and like fiddle with it. It'll be fun. Yeah. Right next to that is Brandon's action cable symphony. Uh, Brandon gave a talk at Southeast Ruby last year and it was phenomenal. Oh yeah. Oh, that'll be good, man. There's so many good ones. Rails security at scale. This is just the first day, too. Good Lord. Yeah. Dockerizing I'm Rails gonna... Workshop. Rails DB migrate safety safely. And that sounds good. I've been thinking about this. Oh, man. You've already hopped over the next day. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I've been thinking about... Actor... Have you seen Andrew Kane's... Um, uh, what is it? Strong Migrations gem? Yeah, we used it at work. Yeah, and then there's the zero downtime migrations uh gem is or like github repo or whatever as well so both of those are like you know we're gonna throw errors if you use bad migration stuff and i've been thinking about like you know that probably makes a lot of sense to go put in jumpstart uh and just encourage people to do things the right way um and i've had a few people who are like you know deleting like their, their migrations are really messed up and are having trouble deploying apps to Hatchbox. And I'm like, sorry, man, you got to follow the, the like database mig- migration rules. Like that's the whole point. You like can't skip things. Um, 
I'm I'm gonna backtrack the active record, the repository pattern in you. I'm interested to see that one because uh, oh, like uh, Nami- oh, it's Craig. Craig's a St. Louis guy. Oh, okay. I forgot uh, that he was giving a talk. All right about that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to roll through the rest of these because yeah, there's, I have to there's too much stuff. Rethinking the view layer with components. Uh, the selfish programmer. It's Searles. So like yeah. Oh yeah. It'll be a great. Time. Oh yeah. Um, the joy of destroying your database daily. That's like one of my favorite things that I <laughs> that I do. Uh, refactoring live primitive obsession. Yeah. Transforming legacy Rails apps. Oh, Vladimir does that. Okay. I wonder what uh, controversial thing uh, DHH is going to talk about in the keynote. Can't wait. (laughs) Uh, And I'm just on the last page. Going to scroll through. Okay. This title makes me want to go to the talk alone. It's new hotness. But it's H O T N plus one N E S S hard lessons <laughs> migrating from REST to GraphQL. I love that title. The <laughs> uh, Zeitwork talk, uh, a mindfulness talk. I love that. Uh, Ernesto is giving a workshop, Upgrade Rails 101. I bet that's going to be good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the master at that. I feel it's also like it's. The more I go to these, the more like friends I make, and the more the more difficult it is. Like, oh, I can go see this talk, but also my friends giving this talk. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> yeah, it's gonna be. Oh yeah, Sam's doing cleaning house with RSpec Rails four. It's gonna be a long three days of stuff, and we've got to record some podcasts while we're there. So we're gonna be busy, yeah. busy. And then Aaron Patterson gives the last keynote. And it'll be awesome. Yeah. It always his talks are always hilarious. Man, I'm exhausted just from reading that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm like, oh boy, this is gonna be a long three days, but it's gonna be good. <laughs> well yeah. we'll both be there. And if you are listening, please come say yeah. hi, come hang out. Yeah, definitely. Let's have dinner, let's have drinks, let's talk programming, let's talk. Yeah, tweet at us if you uh, want to find out where we're going to be or something, because we're going to, we'll probably have to figure out, you know, what things we're doing after day one, day two, day three, that sort of thing, and let you know where we're going to be and that sort of thing. Um, I was going to give a shout out to the first, uh, like, what do we have now? Like five beta customers for Jumpstart Pro um, as of, oh, nice. since the last uh, podcast. So thank you very much, guys. The uh, like feedback on it has been great and like just kind of was fun to have some other eyeballs on it and just how quickly they picked up on, hey, this doesn't work like I expected it to or there's a bug on this. And they're just, you know, things that you haven't touched on for uh, a few weeks or something. And you're like, well, it was good last time I looked at it, but I forgot that I upgraded to Tailwind 1.0 since then or whatever, you know. Um, So, yeah, it's been fun. It's cool to have a first few customers on that and um, getting them to, to build some things and just launch something new. So if anybody else is interested in being a beta customer, just uh, email me or tweet at me, um, chris at gorails.com and 
or exit three on Twitter, but you know, trying to onboard a few more people and just iron some things out and hopefully just wait out a little bit longer till the rail six release. Cause I think that's about, cause we built all this on rail six. So I want to kind of wait until that's uh, stable. Uh, well, it's probably stable now with the RC, but I'd like it to be with the, the 1.0 release just so that we're solid. So I'm excited. That makes sense. The the one thing I forgot to mention that you reminded me of uh, in that blog post said GitHub, Shopify, and Basecamp are on RC one. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense. They're they're like using this stuff, but they're also not necessarily going to be using um like action mailbox yet. You know, so it's probably pretty easy for them to upgrade uh, as long as they're, uh, you know, current or whatever for other things. Because, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, the majority of those bugs and things are going to be in the new features. It's uh, the framework itself is pretty darn stable. So you're so smart to talk about that a little bit here in a couple weeks because I'm giving a a talk. at our local Ruby meetup about contributing to rails. But one of the, you know, first topics is like, how do you even figure out what you're, what you could contribute to rails? And it's like, well, always docs, uh, always docs. And you can't do enough docs, please. Um, and then it's like, well, if you want to contribute code, uh, you either got to find a bug, which is very hard to do, fix someone else's bug if it's even a bug in the framework and not someone else's problem, or you probably have to go like fiddle with those new features of rails that, you know, DHH likes to drop the, the new feature that's, you know, maybe a quarter finished or something and like have at it with the rest of the community to go fix it up. Like, uh, the amazing work that like Mike Perham and people did on, on, uh, active job and all that and action cable and you name it like there's been so much good stuff uh for people to contribute whenever a new feature drops so yeah should be a fun talk i haven't given a talk in a long time i I ironically don't like giving them but you need to get better at it (laughs) i'm excited to hear it well i got a jet i will if i don't talk to you again i will see you next week. all right dude catch you later